for the Indians. One run on, let's see, one hit. That's all we got. One goddamn hit. You can't say goddamn on the air. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. From the Gateway Lounge in Sioux Falls, it's Nobody's Listening Anyway. Here are your hosts, John Gaskins and Matt Zimmer. Well, good evening and welcome to Nobody's Listening Anyway. I'm John Gaskins. He's Matt Zimmer from the Yargus. We might be reading your comments at a side angle, because that's the way things are working out. We we are a new podcast and we are a new Facebook Live show, and that's uh, that's how it is going to look. Uh, but we are excited about this venture, and uh, it's a sports podcast done out of Sioux Falls, South Dakota. If you heard Zimmer and I on the radio on KWSN, Fox Sports 98.1, Tuesdays for about an hour, this is pretty much how it's going to go. That sound about right? Except I won't be over the phone. Except you won't be over the phone. You are live here, and we're at the Gateway Lounge on West 41st Street in Sioux Falls. And you're not getting in the way of my deadline anymore. That's r- Oh, I never knew that happened. Wow. You're very gracious. <laughs> Only of late did that become an issue. As, okay. as deadline got earlier and earlier, my okay. weekly segment with you guys yeah. became a little bit more stressful. We're going to be doing this every Monday here at the Gateway Lounge on West 41st Street in Sioux Falls, an absolute Sioux Falls institution. And we're thrilled to be here. Jackson and the crew have been very accommodating. Uh and we encourage you to come on down to the Gateway anytime. They have awesome lunch specials. Follow them on Facebook and Twitter. And uh, it's, by the way, it's my favorite place in town. No, no lie, not just pandering to go watch an NFL game on a Sunday because you can't see the whole scope of the place behind us. But it's your best way to see all the games unfolding at once. It is a Chiefs bar, so that helps if you're a Chiefs fan, a genuine Chiefs fan like I am, a fandom that Zimmer questions. Uh, which we might get into later in the podcast. But anyway, it's an awesome place on NFL Sunday and any day of the week, and we'll be doing this every Monday night for the foreseeable future at about 6 o'clock. I use the word about because, you know, it wasn't quite 6, but here we are, as already we have the first of two Monday night games unfolding before our very eyes. And normally, Zim, we would lead this off with Vikings-Packers from yesterday because so many people watching this likely are a Vikings fan or a Packers fan here in Sioux Falls. But we had big local sports news today. I mean, like, one of the bigger sporting events that will ever come to Sioux Falls was just announced this afternoon. Well, it wasn't announced. I mean, it, it, was, was, reported. it was reported that yes. it could potentially be coming. Yeah. Uh, John Rothstein, the guy who reported it, I mean, he's not a guy who throws stuff out there willy-nilly. But, I mean, if, you know, assuming he's right, that's a pretty big deal. And we had been hearing some, some whispers for a while that this event um, – what is it even called? The the Atlantis yeah. Battle for Atlantis, yes, I believe. And it was supposed to be in the Bahamas. Something epic like that, yeah. right? Right. It's supposed yeah. to be in the Bahamas. Yep. And so they're gonna. As, obviously, people were making the jokes all over <laughs> on Twitter. But imagine if you're one of the athletes, like, yeah, we're going to play in the Bahamas. Like, actually, we're playing in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, <laughs> yeah. and uh, not in, in November. Not in May. Yeah. So uh, they haven't set a date for it yet, but looks like it's coming. And yeah. uh, I'd have to go back and look here to see the uh, the actual. Um, field because I don't have it memorized off just what I saw, but I mean, Duke, Ohio yeah. State, uh, I think Utah. I saw Creighton. Creighton. I saw Wichita State. Was Wichita State on? Yep. I mean, Duke and Ohio State, obviously, kind of yep. the, the big ones that jump out. I mean, yep. to have Coach K's team coming to the Pentagon, mm-hmm. playing in Sioux Falls. I mean, that would be a big deal anyway. Yeah, you know, to have it, you know, the circumstances, the pandemic, and everything. I mean, obviously, we don't know what the sports landscape in South Dakota is going to look like. No. They haven't announced a date yet, like I said, but it typically is in November. Let's just assume it's in November. 
we're going to have we're going to be two three months into not having college football right you know high school football is so far you know everything's going okay we're going to have that but you know the next question is are we going to have college basketball yeah. you know and now with you know the the basketball the college basketball in this state as we know from the Oats and the Jacks in Division One down to Augie and Northern State in Division Two, you know Dakota Wesleyan, NAIA. This is a huge basketball state. Yep. So there's a big question. You know, are we going to have college basketball? Whatever. If we don't, um, that will just make it all the more of a big deal that that's coming. Yeah. In. Even if we do, like I said, it wouldn't yeah. matter. I mean, to have the Duke Blue Devils playing in Sioux Falls, potentially a huge, huge deal. Well, and we thought, you know, like. Three years ago, when the best golfers in the world over the age of 50 were coming mm-hmm. here, and a lot of names like for guys our age, around 40 years old, who were like the titans of the sport when we were growing up, Sands, Tiger Woods, who isn't old enough yet, and Phil Mickelson, who just barely is, and plus you throw in Jack Nicholas, who keeps coming back every year, you think this is the biggest thing or the highest level thing to come to Sioux Falls, plus the size of a crowd you can get that a golf course can hold, like the mm-hmm. most attended sporting event in, in South Dakota history. And of course, it's another Sanford entity that that this will be the next biggest sporting event that comes to South Dakota. I mean, Duke is coming here. But you combine like what we were going to lead with, the Packers absolutely crushing the Vikings in NFL week one in front of no fans, which was weird, which we'll get to. And then I'll just show you the Minneapolis Star Tribune. This is the Star Tribune. This isn't the Argus leader today before we found out this big basketball news. Um, and you're seeing it backwards. Dakota, top headline, above the Vikings' big picture, no fans at their game. Dakotas are nation's new hotspots for coronavirus. In South Dakota, North Dakota, top two uh, in cases per capita the last couple of weeks. And in fact, South Dakota's number one in the nation at 17% positivity rate. And I'll just give the floor to you as, again, we look forward to an event that could be indoors. Sanford, who, who runs the Sanford International and does it brilliantly, wonderfully, first class event, but, you know, they, it, an outdoor event for sure, but they didn't exactly, you know, they, like a lot of things here, they encouraged the masks, they didn't require them. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but both uh, just in the stands or behind the ropes or in the corporate tents, didn't see a lot of mask wearing and people were bunched closely together. And uh, it'll be interesting to see where we are in the pandemic two months from now and how they will decide to disperse people right they've said so far that they don't know essentially yeah. what what the situation is going to be you already see people on on social media saying like i'll do anything i i can to get tickets to that of course you of know, course duke ohio state coming in here but you're talking about a venue that only holds three thousand people to begin with yeah if you figure there's 50 percent capacity that cuts you down to 1500 if it's lower than that 20 25 percent you're talking about a few hundred people getting tickets i mean god only knows what the ticket prices yeah. will be if that's what the situation yeah. is um, I think, but you know, they might try to just say hell with it. You know, if, if you're willing to take the risk, we'll let you all in. That'd be um, my guess. That'd be yeah, my prediction. I, I kind of think so too. I think it depends a little bit on uh, if there is some fallout from, say, the Sanford International. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't know today if the Sanford International was a super spreader event or whatever. And even the events we've had, obviously, there's been some questionable science out there about, you know, we had that study on Sturgis that has kind of been thrown out there and then debunked and debated back and forth and, and no one, and no one really knows exactly you know well, what the situation well, is. We do know his cases have spiked since it. Right. And the, the bigger question is, you know, if, if it turns out that having this sporting event this past weekend, the Sanford International, allowing fans, if that went off, I don't want to say without a hitch necessarily, but if that proves to not cause any significant impact in coronavirus in South Dakota, then this thing's definitely going to happen. Yeah. And even if it does t- turn out that, oh, okay, you know, there are a few cases that are going to be 
tied back to that golf tournament will be will it be enough for them to say, oh yeah, no, we're not bringing that thing in here. No, I doubt it. Yeah, I mean, because to be fair, part of it is the you know it's not like they're picking the Pentagon and Sioux Falls because oh there's no coronavirus there. There's no place in the country right now where there you know isn't a COVID True. presence. True. It's more the the ability to create a bubble, and you look out on that campus there, you've got the Sanford Pentagon, which obviously isn't just the one court. You know, there's yep. all the courts surrounding yep. it where you can have practices and stuff. Mm-hmm. There's multiple locker rooms. Uh, then you've got the hotel right next, nearby. You've got the restaurant, all that kind of stuff. You could, in theory, you know, bring six or seven teams, however many is out there, and and kind of pull that off yeah. while keeping them in somewhat of a bubble. So, I think it's going to happen. Yeah, I, I don't think anyone from Sanford is going to allow that. It, once it's on the on the menu, it's staying. On you the can, menu. by the way, Sanford does things, and the way South Dakota has been doing things from leadership decisions, both in Sioux Falls and from the governor's office. Pretty much since this started, or at least since about June, even mid-May, when they started opening up bars and restaurants again, I think that's what's going to happen, like it or not. And a lot of people like it. I mean, uh, I wouldn't say it was brazen, but Andy North, who's the tournament director of the Sanford International, was it was either him or uh, Micah, the executive director of Sanford, who just said yesterday to the big crowd, 18th Green, after the whole thing was done, wasn't it great to show uh-huh. the world we can all get out of our houses again mm-hmm. and enjoy mm-hmm. life? And, and I thought to myself, well, yeah, We've been most Maybe. people have been doing that in South Dakota already. Mm-hmm. Life is a lot feeling more normal here than compared to most places. Is it concerning to you at all? Is it concerning to you that we might bring a, a huge college basketball tournament, have fans in here, and we still might be at a high rate of positivity and per capita? We did not mean to have a discussion about the dis- <laughs> about the thing that everybody's been talking about ad nauseum for several months now. That's extremely depressing in our lives. But it big event is coming to South Dakota, and so here we are. Is no, it concerning? No, because it's not going to be a ton of people coming in. Yeah, because it's it's being played at the Sanford Pentagon. Yeah, you know it's, it's a thirty eight hundred. It's a small venue. You know, if, say what you want about Sturgis or the fireworks over the Fourth of July. Yeah. That was a hell of a lot more people than are going to be at uh, this basketball event. True. And and again, I I think you know when I heard that thing was coming, I was like, cool, I'm going to cover that. That's going to be awesome. I'm going to get to go. Yeah. But I guarantee you, they're not just going to like let you just waltz in there. I'm probably going to have to get tested for COVID yes. to be able to co- sure. cover that thing. So I, I I think there will be some protocols in place. And, you know, aside from ma- mandating masks, I don't know what more the Sanford Inter- International could have really done. They took it pretty seriously. I mean, you've been to the that yes. event all three years. There was definitely a difference this year yeah. in how they monitored people and handled security as in the previous two years. At the gate, after you go in, it's it's whatever right. you want to do. But Andy North made a good point, I thought, where he, he essentially said, you know, if you want people to wear masks, the last way to do it is to make them. Essentially saying that, you know, people just don't like being told what to do. Yeah. You know, if you tell them, hey, would you please be, you know, kind and considerate of other people and wear a mask, you're more likely to get them to do it that way than saying, like, you can't come in unless you wear a mask. I don't think he's wrong about that. Uh, So my guess is that when if and when this thing comes, it'll be a similar policy, although being that it's indoors and a much smaller venue than a golf tournament, they probably will, will have the ability to mandate masks if they want to, because if there's one guy who says, well, I'm not wearing a mask to come in there, there's somebody else who will. Yeah. There's going to be a very, very high demand uh, to attend that event. So if some guy's like, well, I'm not coming, bye. I'll yeah. find someone. We'll get someone yep. in here who's willing to wear a mask to buy tickets. Uh, e- easily. Yeah. It'll be a hot ticket. Matt Zimmer, John Gaskins. It's called Nobody's Listening Anyway. 
Brand new podcast weekly. You don't have to go to a commercial on break. Facebook Live. I know. I feel like I'm on you're the in radio, your commercial break voice. and yeah. I have to set it. Thank yeah. you. Okay. Well, you can. That's why you're here to tone me down. And bring it. You know, it's the first one. Just want to let people know what's going on. Obviously, since it's Facebook Live, you may comment. Uh, although we're going off of my phone this week as the camera, and I would have to read it at a side angle. Maybe like I can this. read it from here. Okay. Yeah. You can do. You can do a little work there. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's the beautiful thing about this. You want to uh, get in, be a part of the discussion? You can. That's obvious. Now, if you're listening to us back on the podcast forum, it's obviously too late. Just enjoy the ride. We're at the Gateway Lounge on West 41st Street in Sioux Falls. And by the way, the most important thing you could do if you'd like to comment right now uh, is to tell us that you can hear us okay. That'd be great. Or if uh, we're not at a side angle. Um, these lives are fun, John, says Jill, an old friend in Worthington, Minnesota. Well, that's nice. Oh, and Matt Zimmer's watching us. That's good. Well, there we are. I'm just trying to, yeah. I know. Our uh, friend Dana left a comment. It should be a personal choice to attend. And if you have health issues, you should stay away just as you should with any virus. Yeah. I agree. Hi, Dana. Hi, Dana. <laughs> we had some... We had some fun times with Dana and a few other friends a long time ago when we were all single and free and had Wild Water West passes. That was a long time ago. Uh, so is there anything else really to say about this basketball thing? That's a nice thing about these podcasts is just we can we can go stream of consciousness. I hope it happens. I mean, that yeah. would be really cool. Yeah. For, like I said, that'd be cool anyway to have yeah, it of course. In, under the present circumstances, you know, I yeah. get my fingers crossed yeah. that they find a way to make that work. So I, it, they might have to call it something else of course i would the, think they might have to change the big the joke of course was you know sioux falls is the bahamas of the dakotas so we got that going for us i always thought Yankton, is it really well yankton and vermilion are i thought or hot springs a lot of the time the highest temperature in the state is down there but anyway um so that's that we have uh I, can we agree it would be it would be the biggest scale or most relevant sporting event to ever come to south dakota Eh, I don't know. I don't know if I'd go that far because when you think about it, I mean, the, the games don't mean a whole lot. They're yeah. essentially exhibition games or, you know, they'll, they'll count, but they're not like there's not a lot at stake. They're, we've had a bunch of other major D1 games that have come to the Pentagon. They haven't been Duke yeah. or Ohio State, but we've yeah. had some, you know, Minnesota, Oklahoma, Nebraska. Some of those schools have come up there. And then, you know, you mentioned the yep. Sanford International. I thought this year was as big a deal as oh, it had yeah. ever been yes. because, A, they were the first golf tournament to have fans, but also just yes. the field was better than it had ever been. You yes. Get, you add Fred Couples and Ernie Els, some some names that everyone knows. That's it, right there. You know, that kind of and jacks the winner, it up a notch. And the winner is his first year, and he if you're a golfer, you know Miguel Angel Jimenez and uh, the most interesting man in golf, mm -hmm. uh, the, the Spanish doppelganger, ponytail mm -hmm. doppelganger of the actual most interesting man in the world on those Dos Equis commercials, popular champion. Um, we can get into that later. You want to do that, or you want to get into the Vikings and Packers right I now? didn't even watch the Vikings-Packers game, so I don't know. You were at the mean. golf? Yeah. Well, did you read about the Vikings and the Packers? I, I, I didn't really want to. It did sounded you, terrible. Did, we were, did you watch I a watched little a little bit, bit. Yeah, 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 I watched. I was watching the first half, and it was 8-7 Packers, and I got in the shower yeah. before I left. And by the and I, I take pretty quick showers. By the time I was out of the shower, it was 22 to 10. So obviously it was like, geez, what the hell happened here in the space of five minutes? And uh, from what I read, you know, defense was terrible. I mean, I know the offense ended up putting up how many points or whatever, but yeah. how much of that was garbage time? At, it know? was mostly garbage time. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. didn't sound like a very encouraging debut. No. Okay. So um, by the way, uh, a couple of you have said we're at a side angle. Uh, Travis mentions. That, so 
Please, if you're watching, let us know if we're at a side angle or not. If we are, so what? You know what we look like, and we're not that good-looking anyway, so it doesn't really matter if we're at a side angle or not. <laughs> Dave, our techie, who's helped us put this together as far as it can go tonight, uh, pointed at Zimmer. But anyway, let us know. Some of you see us at a side angle. Some of you don't. It's not like you're going to get any other thing on camera here tonight, so if you do, I think you can live with it. But... Um, it, none of none of what happened yesterday is a real surprise to me because if you you combine uh, five new starters on defense plus no the, Daniel Hunter no Daniel Hunter and no crowd noise at the Purple Palace to disrupt Aaron Rodgers uh, a brand new unit with no preseason no OTAs no uh, rookie camp no no mini camps it was just fire away with uh, no cornerbacks over the age of twenty three and Aaron Rodgers and. You know, and a, and a lack of a pass rush. It was uh, those are all the ingredients I think you could say that Aaron Rodgers could light up the Vikings in Minneapolis. And now the question is, okay, is that something that's going to hurt the Vikings all season long? You get Hunter back, and obviously you're a little bit more in business with the are pass you, rush. Are you getting Hunter back? I mean, they're uh, being pretty we coy about we, it. We don't know. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, supposedly it's just three weeks I think he's now. their best player. I mean, yeah. So, I mean, that's a pretty big deal. He's one of the best pass rushers in the NFL, and that's yeah. arguably the second or mo- third most important position in a, in a quarterback league. So... You don't want to go off of one game. You don't want to overreact after one game. That's the easiest thing to do. Aaron Rodgers probably, although he's great, and Dan Patrick said it best this morning, he's the best in the world at making it look easy. He's the best in the world at making quarterback look easy. When he's on still, he does the position better than anybody out there, if not that's ever done it. Do you still feel that way? You wrote a big column about that a couple weeks ago. I think at his best, he was the best that's ever been. Yeah. Which is, yeah. Uh, and he's not that anymore. Right. And it was kind of surprising to me early in the game how conservative it seemed like they were. I mean, high completion percentage, but, you know, very much the short passing game. And I don't know if, as like I said, I stopped watching at halftime, so I don't know if as the game went on, you know, they were able to stretch it out a little more and take advantage of the fact that the Vikings obviously are pretty inexperienced in the secondary and have a lot of new faces. But, um, you know, maybe, that, maybe that's to the Packers' credit of, you know, figuring out, okay, we still have Aaron Rodgers, but he's not – the same guy. What we're gonna have to have a different kind of Aaron Rodgers win yeah. in a different way. Looks like they figured out a way to do that. Yeah. Well, they didn't really need to do much against whatever the Vikings had to throw at them yesterday. And it just feels like this is the Packers' division again this year. And I would and I, I predicted that before the season started. Like it, on the other side of the ball, you had Kirk Cousins against a Green Bay defense that rarely blitzed, and, and still. They smothered him for the most part. He can't. He's terrible against the Packers. Last year, his two worst games from a passer rating, 53, which is awful, 53 and 58. First half yesterday, it was about a 60. Um, it was like three of, he was about three of five, 54 yards. Of course, the Vikings didn't even have the ball that much. Yeah, they, they only had the well, ball seven. Well, their first seven. drive of the game went great. Yeah, they danced down the field after that. Uh, and, 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 here's what, and here's where, and I've been, a, if anybody's been listening to the, Fox Sports 98.1 show the last few years. I've defended Kirk Cousins. Uh, I've been a Kirk Cousins apologist. Uh, but this is a classic day where if you look at the stats, hey, 19 of 25, that's four out of every five. You're completing 80% of your passes, 259 yards, two touchdowns, a 119 rating. That's really good, even in today's modern NFL. And yet most of the damage was done in the fourth quarter when the Vikings were down by two or three scores. And they couldn't stop the Packers. So they, they were just continuously down by about 14 to 21 mm-hmm. points. 
And so the Packers don't, you know, give you a little extra cushion and bend but don't break, and you can wrap up a lot of good stats. Adam Thielen was invisible after that first drive, pretty much, but he ends up with over 100 yards receiving, where a lot of that stuff happened in the fourth quarter, where again it was pretty easy pickings, and uh, the the result of the game wasn't really in doubt. Um, and here's something that I haven't been reading or seeing a lot of off of one game. With this Vikings offense, third year of Kirk Cousins, and you're without Stephon Diggs. I wonder how much of a difference that is going to make when, again, you have a suspect offensive line, and now it's all the attention is going to be on Adam Thielen, at least Uh to start, with Uh nothing but unproven receivers mostly behind him. Um, I wonder how much they would have loved to have had Diggs because the turning point of the game was Vikings are down 15-7. They were up 8-7 with two minutes left in the first half. the Packers have had the ball the whole first half, uh-huh. and, and, the, and they went to the red zone twice, and their, their first two possessions, they go to the red zone. They get, like, three points out of it, and then they get a safety. Anyway, it's 8-7 with two minutes left, and Vikings give up a touchdown, and then they get back on offense, and Cousins tries to throw, just bite off more than he can chew. He throws an incomplete to Thielen, who we all know is his main guy now, the guy he's locked in on, and then he tries to go right back to Thielen, throws a horrible pass, and Jair Alexander intercepts it, and the Packers punch it in. And all of a sudden, it's 22-7 to at halftime. They, the Packers scored 14 points in the last three minutes, and the Vikings were playing catch-up the rest of the way. Mm-hmm. And so it goes back to Cousins, where this is the knock on him. You can put up really good stats. He's probably pretty good if you have him as a fantasy quarterback. But most crucial moments, at least yesterday, that was it. His one interception... I mean, kind of cost the Vikings the rest of the game. Defense helped not at all, as we mentioned. But well, what the, we, the but, thing I'd say yeah. in, in Cousins' defense is, I, I guess I'm kind of like you in that I, I would consider myself a Cousins apologist, or at least a, a defender, I guess, of him and the contract they gave him. But I the, am too. the idea was never that he's going to be the guy that's going to win you a yeah. Super Bowl by himself. He's not going to. Aaron Rodgers you to a Super Bowl mm-hmm. or, or Russell right. Wilson or Tom Brady any of those kind of guys who it doesn't really matter who you surround them with they're the one who's going to do the heavy lifting that was never the idea right the idea was that the Vikings were a pretty complete team yes a very very good defense a good running game good receivers maybe not so much in the O-line but that they kind of had almost everything they needed and that if you gave them a B-plus quarterback yep and I think Which Kirk he Cousins is. is a B-plus yes. quarterback yes that 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 was enough that you could win with that and uh, you know, like I, like you said, I, I didn't watch much of the game yesterday. The numbers are pretty good, not necessarily amazing. Mm-hmm. Did he play a B plus game yesterday? I don't know. I mean, he put up thirty six points, and like you said, a lot of that was yeah. was garbage time or whatever. Yes, but if the was. defense is giving up forty something, doesn't really matter what Kirk Cousins did, because right. like I said, he was not brought in to win games forty eight to forty five or anything right. like that. Yes, he was brought in to put up right. you know between twenty four and thirty points every Sunday because that's supposed to be enough for a Mike Zimmer defense. If you can get 24 to 30 points every week, you're going to go 12 and 4, 13 and 3, something like that, and be in position to to contend for a division title and then potentially a Super Bowl. I can't remember who said it, but it was like a really respected coach who's a respected analyst now that uh, football and the NFL are changing to where it got to be. This is. it was Dick Vermeil. I heard Dick Vermeil say this last week. And this was a guy who uh, was the head coach of The Greatest Show on Turf, which kind of started the modern era of, you know, all kinds of window dressing and shifts before the snap, spread offenses, Mike Martz, the, the, the wizard. And that was 20 years ago. And we've seen you know, this become a passing league to the point where Dick Vermeil mentions a lot of defenses are now set up to stop that. And mm-hmm. you, you, you practice it in college because a lot of college offenses are wide open. 
and pass happy. And the, of course, the rules are set kind of for receivers as well and quarterbacks to be protected to the point where this is how you scheme defense. You scheme against that. Generally, spread offenses, quick passing and tempo, getting guys in space. And to the point where teams like the Niners, who did it best last year, go right back to a ground game, a play action game, a quarterback that you rely more for his arm and just to kind of get you there, manage the game, and hopefully hit on big spots. And it got them to the Super Bowl. And so Vermeil is saying teams like the Niners and what we thought minus Mike Zimmer was doing with Gary Kubiak and the Vikings and Stefanski, who's now kind of wanting to run first in Cleveland, like that's, that's how you're getting ahead by going back to a power game, a play-action mm-hmm. game, and a setup. But well, you, things are always cyclical. I mean, yeah. you know, there's a new trend and everyone follows it, and then you kind of work your way back towards, because if everyone starts doing something, yeah. it, it's kind of about zigging when the whole yeah. the rest of the league is zagging, so yeah. to speak. You know, right. always trying to be ahead of the curve or whatever. And, you know, we've seen that. The, the I mean, <laughs> C.J. Ham, a kid who we watched play here in Sioux Falls, is a millionaire right now because of the, the Vikings' willingness yeah. to kind of go back in time as an offense. Yeah. That position was essentially extinct from the NFL. It's over and tight ends it, it too. Is, it is being brought back. Well, tight ends traditional, now are like the, traditional. Yeah, tight they're ends. now the future of the league. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. having guys like yeah. Dallas Goddard. Are, receivers. Are, you know, yeah. yeah, they're just really big, strong wide receivers. Essentially, yeah, that you can, you know, use as an inline blocker. But but they're essentially out there to be yeah. weapons in the passing game. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, you, you'd, I've wondered a lot. I like Mike Zimmer. Uh, I loved the hire the day they hired him, and I felt like he was a guy who maybe could bring the Vikings to a Super Bowl. Uh, I've always been, every time they've extended his contract, I've been in favor of it. But I have found myself wondering, you know, like, is he adaptable? Yeah. You know, can he, you know, he's been there long enough now that if he's just going to ki- kind of try to keep doing the same thing he's always been doing, it's, it's not going to work. Yeah. He's going to eventually lose his job or or, or just become unsuccessful. We saw that with Ron Gardenhire in the Minnesota Twins. <laughs> yeah. uh, when he took over as the Twins manager in the early 2000s, uh, he had nothing but success. But after 10 years, he was like, I'm not changing. This is how I do things. And the game passed him by. Go and, with your gut, baby. Right, exactly. Everything. And they, they absolutely the analytics. refused to adapt to a whole bunch of things. And it took the Twins forever to dig out yeah. of that. Right. Um, and, you know, the, if the Vikings aren't careful, the same thing's going to happen to them. I'm not saying that Mike Zimmer is, uh, you know, allergic to adapting or, or analytics or any of those sort of things. I'm just asking the question, is he going to adapt? Right. Is he going to make changes offensively or defensively? Because you, you wonder, is the game changing to, to a degree that sort of the, the, the basic principles that he's yeah. had so much success with are maybe not going to be as successful? Well, you, just, you kind of feel like the window's closed. He, he put together a marvelous defense for five years. The last five years, he's been top 10 in scoring defense, the stat that matters the most. And I mean, does it feel like they're going to infringe upon that this year? He, of course, thinks so because his trade is defensive back coaching. Well, when they he feels like he can just train the draft. His, yeah. That to me almost felt like, are we rebuilding here? Yeah. You know, like right. why, why would you set, set yourself up for 15 draft picks if you aren't on Which some degree? I thought was insane, kind of, by the way. Right, yeah. How many of those guys stupid. are going to? I always feel like go for quantity over yes. or quality over quantity yes. when it comes to the draft. Trade up and get some first round guys. Right. Third round guys. But it's, it just made me wonder, are they maybe yeah. do they know more than we they're letting right. on? Like well, it almost makes you wonder, did Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer look at this team and go, yeah, we're not going to win in 2020. Like the window has closed. It's right. time to start rebuilding. Right. And with yeah. the, and and this and with this defensive start again, it was not the ideal start, the perfect storm, to just get your bleep added to you. I guess we can cuss if we really want to on this thing. Uh, by the way, Dave, how are we looking? Are we at a side angle or are we at the right angle? On Apple, we're looking fine. So I, I think your phone's those... battery's almost dead. 
Oh, well, good. I have got a charger for that. That's fine. <laughs> it, it put up a warning a second ago. Good, thank you. I almost just thought it would be hilarious to let the, your phone you just go. die in the middle of our first podcast. I knew. But... I know you would. You're all about <laughs> the destruction of this. Uh, and I, I'm fine with that, too. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate it. So I guess if you're 11%. watching... I get... It I was, saved it. It was, it was struggling. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I brought... You saw it before, you know, we, we did not start on time, although we said we were going to start Everyone who six. knows you knew we weren't going to start on I know on that. Time. Yes. People tell me. I'm surprised hey. you were even here at 6 o'clock, <laughs> let alone ready to. We were here at like I know, 540. I, and I was surprised. Yes. I was surprised. It helped that I had a techie. It, Dave Holly actually helped set me up, like with his equipment and with his things. We would not have done this alone. Next week is going to be a struggle. But I did go to the car. I've learned from past mistakes, radio and otherwise. I had an extension cord and, uh, you know, I plugged my phone in just in case the battery would run low. Uh, Matt Zimmer, John Gaskins. It's called Nobody's Listening Anyway. It's homage to Bob Euchre, Harry Doyle, uh, the best announcer in a, in a movie, I would say, best sports announcing character in what we both agree is the best uh, baseball movie, if not best sports movie of all time. It's my favorite. Yeah. So for anybody who's wondering that, that's why we're calling it Nobody's Listening Anyway. Do you watch that show Brockmire? I love Brockmire and Dave is... Because that's the only other one I would I would think of. Yeah. Because the, the main character is a... I haven't dug it so much, but I've only watched a couple episodes. Oh, I thought it was rip-roaring out of the gate. I yeah. thought the first scene where he has that meltdown on the air was... I, I, I don't even know what I've seen. I've just seen two or three episodes. Oh, okay. Yeah, go from the very start, the first five minutes. Okay. According to Tom my... Frederick, of all people, was like, this is the greatest show. you got to watch the show. <laughs> now, why would you say that about the University of Sioux Falls play-by-play? -play I, I was just, just surprised to hear how gung-ho he was about yes. it. Yes, yeah. And he's he has good taste. He watches I'm not a lot saying of TV. He doesn't, but he's, he, he can be kind of a crab ass sometimes. <laughs> can't can't you, Tom? You would agree yes, with that. Tom's probably for, watching for this. For him to be we'll as, find as, out. As, uh, I think he'd admit it. He's wholeheartedly a, positive about it. I was <laughs> I was surprised. I was like, okay. Well, it's because Brock Meyer's kind of a live wire, not a crab ass, but uh, you know, it's it's a guy who has a basic breakdown about his life um, right on the air, and it, uh, hilarity ensues. Watch Brock Meyer. Uh, so trying to get a sponsorship from TBS or whatever. That'd be great. Yes. <laughs> Very good prices for anyone who is enjoying the product already. Yes, you can advertise with us. We t I did the I did the math. Zimmer and I, um, plus the Gateway Lounge here in Sioux Falls, where you should come and watch your games on every NFL Sunday. It's the best setup that I know of in the city uh, and the area. Um, we have between us about seventeen, eighteen thousand followers on Facebook and Twitter. It's mostly Zimmer, but still, we do. It's a good it's a good forum because this is where people want to go to hear talk about sports that people care about in the Sioux Falls area. So we're going to probably wrap up the Vikings here in just a moment, but you don't want to judge a lot by one game. It was a terrible game to have Mike Zimmer's uh, new defense with a bunch of 23 and younger quarter, cornerbacks defending Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, who I think is underrated as one of the best receivers He's in good. the league. And he just ate Cam Dantzler for lunch on a, on a couple of key plays. But 43 points, the most ever given up by a Zimmer Vikings defense. 552 yards. Uh, second most in the Zimmer era. That ra that Rams game on Thursday Night Football a couple years ago yep. where uh, Jared Goff, when the Rams were like really good, went to the Super Bowl. The Vikings still almost won Which that game. incidentally was maybe the best game Kirk Cousins has played as a yes. Viking. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, it was a pinball game. Yeah. Well... That was that's uh, this was only four yards shy of this, of being the worst Zimmer defense 
performance. And we expected it to not be very good because, again, no hunter. Uh, you lose veteran cornerbacks who probably needed to go. But the, the, the Packers had the ball for 23 minutes of that first half. Uh, 44 plays to 17. So it, it's not a good launching point for the Zimmer defense. I expect it to get better because it is Zimmer. That defense did get better in 2018 uh, after that letdown in L.A. It wasn't as good of a defense as, I believe, 2017 when they went to the title game. That is the, with the Minneapolis Miracle. I mean, that was the best Zimmer defense we've had. That was mm-hmm. the sweet spot. But, I mean, if you're going to ask an offense without Stephon Diggs and once again without much of an offensive line to carry any sort of load, again, I think you're right. Vikings get back to the playoffs. Um, they, I, I would say they're probably going to vie for that, that extra spot, that seventh and final spot. But I don't see it being this year, and I, I kind, I'm kind of with you. Is, is it ever going to happen under Mike Zimmer? I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing it happening with Zimmer and Cousins. I think the Vikings are just going to continue to be what they've been for most of our lives, which is what the Chiefs were for most of our lives until they got Patrick Mahomes, which is a nice 9-10, 11-win playoff team once every five years. Maybe you could win 12 or 13 yeah. and, and, and make the championship. I've always game. enjoyed that about being a Vikings fan. Like I've been a Vikings fan for 35 years. And I've always liked the fact that they're always pretty good. Yeah. Like, it sucks that they haven't won a Super Bowl. But I look at, like, you know, there's certain teams that have won a Super Bowl or been to a Super Bowl in my lifetime. Like, I don't know, the Arizona Cardinals made it to the yeah. Super Bowl a couple of years ago. Yeah. The, the Chargers made it to the Super Bowl a few times. And the Seahawks that one year. But, they weren't even very good. Uh, that's a bad example because now they're pretty good all the time. But, like, teams that have been terrible and then have this one random year where they sort of rise up. The Panthers have been to the Super Bowl, some of these other ones. That to me doesn't, you know, I'd rather have a team that almost every single September I can feel like I'm looking forward to football season. You know, the Vikings have had one 3-13 season since I've been watching them. Uh And uh, that was a year you knew going in. It wasn't like it was this huge, just was like, yeah, they're rebuilding, they got nothing. You know, it's it's been nice to every year, like, hey, you know, they got a shot. Having said that, the older you get, you start going, is this ever going to happen? And and I do sometimes wonder, like, could I really live to be, like, 90 years old and never, like, could that happen? <laughs> could they go, like, 90 years without getting, like, Well, maybe, Dave, Dave over here is almost 90, and his Cubs finally won four <laughs> years ago. Like, <laughs> it can happen. I, a Chiefs fan, uh, you know, my entire existence, and... They were the Vikings, and then they got Patrick Mahomes. I mean, I think it takes a quarterback. Plus, you had one of the better offensive minds and head coaches uh, the last 20 years, for sure, and Andy Reid, but perhaps in the history of the game, also underrated. That seems to be the combo. You kind of got to have that, at least to make the game. Uh, but I don't think it's happening this year. Having said that, are you? do you feel any sort of sense of alarm after the defensive performance yesterday? Kirk Cousins. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Wilting. Absolutely. You do. Okay. Yeah. You feel like this is a team that. Well, might like not I make said, I, I already didn't have a great feeling going into the season yeah. just with some of the, you know, the kind of rebuilding the secondary, not having Stephon Diggs. They got a good return, I think, in the Stephon Diggs trade, yeah. but not in the short term. You right. know? And again, having, you know, 27 draft picks or whatever, it just kind of had the feel of maybe this is a team that kind of knows something we don't. Yeah. You know, that, hey, this year we might have to take a step back. Yep. And uh, they and you know they extended Kirk Cousins too, so it's not like oh this is the last year of Cousins' contract, so we have to win now. Spielman you know? and Zimmer just buying buying more time for themselves. I think so. The window yeah. closed. They didn't I get think, fired. The Wills decided not to be right. that ownership I think group that says you're never going to win it. Get out of here. Week one going as badly as it did. Yeah. 
now I'm kind of like preparing for potentially like a six and ten kind of really. Season. Okay, doesn't mean it's gonna happen, yeah. but like I'm prepared for it now. Yeah, it, was, it depends yeah. on how long this defense takes because right. it's just it, it's a, again terrible year to not have fans in the stands where that you, you get the Seahawks have the twelfth man, but the Vikings have a pretty good one as well. To where I mean, we saw the example right away where Aaron Rodgers is able to hard count the Vikings offsides and extend the drive on like third and five. Um, and that's something he would never have been able to do any, with that Any fan of, of the Twins and Vikings, you know, who's, who's our age or around, even 10 years younger, who basically remembers the Metrodome era, yeah. how many hundreds of games over the years did the Twins and Vikings win because of the Metrodome? Yeah. You know, and some of that wasn't the fans. Some of it, like the Twins used to win a ton of games. The bounces. Play, yeah, playing surface, yes. you know, funny bounces, yeah. that kind of stuff. But the, still. Uh, oh, there we go. <laughs> the, uh, the, wind, the wind tunnel, the, the wind that would somehow blow... Uh, Behind the twins when yeah, they were batting. Yeah, and, I mean, yeah. uh, so, oh, are we so, at a side so, angle again? So I think it is. Oh, okay. I think it is fair to to speculate that not yeah. having fans yeah. uh, certainly has a negative impact on the right. Vikings. Maybe even more so than some other teams. And they'll go to places like Lambeau uh, next week in Indy. That's an indoor stadium. The Colts are supposed to be pretty good this year. It might it might help the Vikings out, especially Return the, the favor offense a little bit. Yeah, I mean, you, you might get some of that coming on the back end of things. All right, so I'm just going to read. I can't read sideways. So tra- I, I can read the comments on my. Oh, okay. What, what, so you can put it back down. Travis Crane's had something to say, and he usually has pretty uh, profound First things all, to say. First of all, well, we were talking. <laughs> Stop it. Stop touching the phone. Okay. 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 Leave it. All right. I'll handle yes, it. See, here I can read all because um, I got a phone okay. too. Yep, you do. Thanks for using it. Travis says because we were talking earlier about <laughs> if this uh, tournament came, the yeah. uh, Atlantis thing. Yes. We were talking about would that be the biggest event ever. He does mention College Game Day, which came last year. We were deeming that on Craig and John like this is. We were having that discussion. I like, think that deserves like a, a separate category because it's, it's a not TV a game. show. It's not a game. It's a TV show. Okay. Yeah, but yeah. it was a, a fair, big freaking deal. Okay. Um, yep. Really big deal. Yeah. Honestly, that and that was that was really. And fun. you were there. Yeah, it was fun. And now we're watching. If you watch College Game Day in the morning, it's like everything else. It's a Zoom chat, or it, yeah. well, they actually brought it to the Wake Forest Stadium. But there were no fans there, and that's the other thing. As we were talking about the Vikings, you know, I don't know if they would have won that game yesterday with the fans. It probably would have been a fourth quarter down to the wire game. I think Rodgers and the Packers would have pulled it out because, again, no Hunter, a bunch of new cornerbacks. Um, but, you know, it's it's a popular topic. How weird is it as a fan? And do we care? And, and, and it, it, of course it's weird to watch this, but also do our asterisks deserved, you know, do we, 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 we know now we saw yesterday, we just gave you examples of perfectly why not having fans in that stadium yesterday severely hurt the Vikings, especially in week one. Um, but do we, you know, I kind of like this because it's more of an on paper. It's more of a lab experience. We get to see truly who has the best personnel and who has the best coaching yeah, where the outside what, elements are. I see what you're saying, things. but I don't enjoy it. It was weird for me watching the Vikings game. I don't think I enjoy it, but I, I think it's a good test. It. It, it felt like almost like watching a preseason game or something. Yeah. I had trouble like paying attention. Yeah. Like I was just so easily distracted by it. And that's not usually the case. I'm usually pretty pretty dialed in once the game starts. Those that were there I read, it was kinda of like going to your kids Saturday morning Pop right. Warner game. Right. So okay. Um, but at least we get it. And I think we'll just get something close to nothing and like it, to paraphrase Judge Schmales from Caddyshack. Uh, Tra- any other- yeah, Travis also asked. We might as well move on. Thank to you, this Dave. Topic. Dave laughed at that. Thank you, Dave. Slid that underneath the radar. Um, we haven't talked too much about the Twins, who start a huge series tonight with yeah. the White Sox. They just swept the Indians, which I'm not saying you can count the Indians out now, but it feels a little bit like that series last year yeah. where 
they took I think it was three out of four, but it was kind of like all right, we just won the division. This by is legit winning. now. Yeah. Uh, obviously, now the White Sox are the team to beat. I think I don't know. Are they game up on the Twins? Half game, something like I'll that. I'll be honest right. with you. I don't look at the standings on a daily basis because we know they're going to make the playoffs. Yeah, who gives a make, crap who wins the division? Yeah. And of course, it, who, who cares but, where they play the games? There's no fans there anyway. But that Travis's question was, doesn't it feel like they're going to somehow end up playing the Yankees again? <laughs> of course. I haven't looked at the. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I haven't looked at the the matchups if they are currently yeah. set up to play the Yankees. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I don't really care, honestly. Um, Partly this season, you, you talk about an asterisk season with baseball, the whole thing, yeah. 60 game schedule. Yeah. Um, people are in and out because of injury or COVID or whatever. It's a very weird year. And uh, like you said, the Twins, we know, even when they went through that six game losing streak, which in a 60 game season is like the equivalent of a 15 yes. game losing streak. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, they're still going to make, you never were like, oh, now what's going to happen? Well, everyone makes the playoffs. So you, yeah. you knew it wasn't going to cost them. They're going to get in. Uh, I kind of feel like keep playing the Yankees till you beat them. Like I don't care if you have to lose to them thirty years in a row. Guess what's like, guess what could happen though? They could play the Yankees, beat them, and then people go, "Well, the crowds weren't there." Sure, and but with a, the elements. It wasn't a, for real. And... No Twins fan is going to give a shit about that. <laughs> Two, um... he said shit. It's the first time we cursed <laughs> on nobody's listening I anyway. Kind of well, I'm in a bar. I'm not on the on the phone with you anymore. No, um, but but also like maybe that's what it takes to get over the hump. You know, yeah. is to do it in a, a weird sort of, you know, what do you want to call it, an abbreviated season or a, a mm-hmm. fake season, whatever you want to call yeah. it. Yep. Maybe that's how you get over that hump. Um, like I said, no Twins fan is going to go, oh, it doesn't count. The hell it doesn't. It, it'll count for yeah. a Twins fan who's sure. been watching them bang their heads against the wall against the Yankees for how many years in a row. Well, what did we say before the season started? I think a lot of people felt, you know, the Twins coming off a gigantic offensive season. Everybody's back. Plus you add Josh Donaldson. Uh, they should have gone out and got a high-priced ace, but they didn't. But pitching staff starting rotation improved this should be a division winning team this should be a playoff team but mm-hmm. perhaps the shortened season will hurt them because this is a team kind of built for a longer season mm-hmm. whatever here they are uh they're 30 we'll, and 18 we'll that's get. like a you know, pretty damn good yeah, yeah exactly they're playing like 700 baseball essentially um, and well i mean we'll see i i honestly haven't been watching enough baseball to to tell you, oh yeah, I, I feel like the Twins can win the World Series this year or not. Well, it, all the way to the World Series. I don't love their chances because know. their starting rotation isn't awesome, and yeah. the playoffs are going to take forever because there's so many teams yeah. in the playoffs. Um, but I, I mean, it looked for a long time like we weren't going to have a season yeah. at all. Right. So I'm just really happy that they're having a season. Have you been they watching gonna... every game like you tend to? Yeah. Your whole life? Yeah. And I haven't it, missed too many. Has, has it has that felt weird without fans? Has that drowned um, out any of your interest or enthusiasm? Not as much because the camera angle's pretty tight. Yeah. And they put the fake fans or the bobbleheads yeah. or the you know the yeah. whatever cardboard the, yeah. that helps. The piped in noise helps, I think. Although you notice watching games that some stadiums, their guy doing the noise, some are better than others. Yeah. You know, the guy who does it for the Twins is pretty good. Yeah, like it's pretty seamless. You don't. Yeah, like he knows not to turn it up too much for just like a routine single. Yeah, like there's a base hit and you just eh, you know, <laughs> and there's a home run yeah. and it's. Like he's good. Yeah. Whoever's doing it. Yeah. Some of the other stadiums is not so good, and then you notice it more. Um, but well, it hasn't. It hasn't uh, made it harder for me to enjoy watching games on TV. Yeah. The question for me is just like, how does it? You know, how weird is it for the players? Do they feel like they're scrimmaging? You know, mm-hmm. does it feel like spring training, mm-hmm. or are they have they been doing this long enough that this is baseball now? Like this is. Yeah. Because for the most part, the good players are still the good players. Yeah. You know, Mike Trout is having another awesome year. Yeah. Nelson Cruz is having another awesome year. Yeah. Um, you well, know. the Astros don't need to bang on the trash can. That's good for them. <laughs> you know, they really have to get a little craftier with their cheating. And I, I don't, 
I don't love like drawing analogies and anecdotes back to high school sports, but I think this applies here where, like at Howard Wood Field for these high school games, there's one or 2,000 people there. It's it's a restricted crowd, uh-huh. so it's a lot quieter than normal. And one of the local coaches, Jared Fredenberg from Lincoln, after his first game, you know, he, um, he noticed how it's easier for them to give the kids their plays onto the field and in general because they're not dealing with any crowd noise. Um, and then I asked him, well, is it, do you almost feel like you can't be too loud because then the sideline on the other side can hear your calls and stuff like that? And he, but overall, he said he didn't really notice it during the game. You're out there competing. And yes, if it's hard to hear, it's hard to hear. And uh, it, it, a crowd noise will affect the game for a quarterback, for an offensive line. But in general, as a competitor, you have so much to worry about. The guy on the other side, the play that was called, making athletic plays, calling the right plays if you're a coach, managing the game that um, that they don't notice it probably as much as we do. I would think so. I mean, I always thought it was funny, you know, like you don't hear it as much anymore. But when I was a kid, the media, it seemed like always made a huge deal out of the crowd sure. in a big game. Like, how could you possibly play sports with all these people screaming and yelling? And it's like, no one, you don't notice. I mean, yeah. I'm certainly not claiming I ever played like, you know, professional sports or anything, but I did play in the President's Bowl yeah. in front of like eight, Nine, ten thousand people. Did you, now, did you actually play? I did. I okay. did. I did get into the President's Bowl okay. uh, a couple times, and I can remember like not thinking until later, like, oh yeah, I was just playing in front right. of ten thousand people. You don't right. think about that. Yeah. If high school kids aren't thinking about it, certainly you know major leaguers aren't thinking about right. it. So, so I you know I never bought that idea that like it somehow affects your how how well you play because people are in the stands screaming or making noise or whatever yeah but when you get used to it for so long and then it's taken away from you right then i can see how that could be like what's going on here this is weird it's fun to hear like especially these baseball games when the guys celebrate uh the the, the, you can hear the dugouts dick bramer keeps apologizing every time you hear a twins pitcher (laughs) say the f word it's like dude we get it like it's it's, okay it's not your fault yeah no one's gonna you're not getting in trouble with the fcc but like i mean and it's been happening a lot and and it's funny yes Um, you know the other night josh donaldson struck out looking on a pitch that was clearly a strike Although yeah. he was very upset, and you could hear every word he said. He turned yeah. around. And he goes, he, he goes. That was not even close. That was not even. Close. <laughs> he was actually kind of polite to the yeah. umpire and how he argued. But was he dropping the f bomb in? No, there? he wasn't. Okay. But I'm just okay. saying it was interesting yeah. in that you could hear every yeah, word that he said. That's kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. You don't normally hear that. All right. So I'm gonna. Uh, so I'm gonna allow myself with Dick. Dick Bramer not complaining but apologizing for cursing on airwaves. Um, and and a, a quick story, and this ties into Burt Blylevin, a topic we can hit on for a, for, a, for a microsecond as Dave starts laughing, a Cubs fan who um, likes his baseball. Uh, Dave, our, our techie, he doesn't mind us calling us that tonight. We're using his equipment for his excellent podcast, the Dave Holly Hour, by the way. So next week this is going to sound really like shit to. is what you're saying? Pretty much, yeah, probably. <laughs> but Dave's going to help me figure it out. Okay. And I'm trying to buy him drinks and he won't let me. <laughs> um, but So did, did you ever get around to reading Dick Bramer's book? Uh, I gave it to my dad for uh, Father's Day without yeah. reading it first. Okay. He loved it. Yeah, he's got some good stories. One of them is the first time he was on the air with Burt Blylevin. Back when Burt Blylevin was a new odyssey and oddity in sports broadcasting, where he was, you know, funny and interesting and light and a little different. And uh, anyway, toward the end of the, they signed off first game Dick and, and Bert do together, like 1995. And uh, and for and Dick doesn't know why he said it, but he said, but he said, all right, well, there, that's one in the books for us. Way to go, Big Bert. And Bert Blylevin, without hesitation, said, 
Nice job, too, big dick. So, there's some... I recommend that book. And they were on their way. Yes. Yeah. By the way, this is weird because I'm looking into the camera to try to read sideways comments, even though I don't need to anymore. But I feel like we're on TV and every now and then you got to look at the camera. You know who I feel like doing this right now? Joe Buck. That's what Joe Buck, whenever he's on camera and he opens up the broadcast, he looks right into your eyes, pierces you into the eyes. Hello, everybody. I'm Joe Buck. This is my pal, Troy Aikman. And then he looks at Troy for a while. And he just kind of stares at Troy as Troy's talking and nods his head. And then, but, but while Troy's talking, Joe Buck will look back into the camera. It's like, hi, how are you? I'm still handsome. And then I'll just keep doing that again. I these never kind noticed of, stuff like that. These are the kind of things. That I didn't. I didn't know mind. until the other day that Chris Collinsworth's slide in is a <laughs> yeah. thing. Yeah. Oh, I love. Yeah. I didn't know Ow. about that. That's how. Does Chris he actually Collins. do that? Like, yeah. Actually, slide this chair. You can't slide it too fast, or he, you know, we yeah. ran right into Al Michaels. But that's hilarious to me. Like, I want to see that now. Like, I didn't yeah. even know that. Well, was you a can't thing. see it. They're not doing the slide right. anymore. Right. That's, that's how I found out about. It. They're like, oh, I missed the. I'm missing the Chris Collinsworth slide. I didn't. I didn't know that was a thing. If you care enough, you'll Google. You'll Google Chris Collinsworth slides. So speaking of baseball and crowds, here. Uh, nobody's listening anyway. Facebook Live and wherever you can find podcasts from the Gateway Lounge here on the west side of Sioux Falls. An awesome place to come watch tonight's Monday Night Football or any NFL football games. Um, so the Canary Steelers 10-10. Okay. All right. That could be a fun game. Where is this? New York? Uh, it doesn't matter, but yeah, yeah, yeah. it's in New York. No fan. Or no, it looks like there are some fans. A few. Yeah. Uh, no, no. I, 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 I'm over cardboard cutouts, by the way. Yeah, and the Vikings tried to place them in weird spots where, like, there's a, you know, I, I get it, you're not going to fill the whole stadium with it, but they, like, placed them behind the goalposts and in little corners. Yeah, it's no, like, why are you doing that? So the Canaries, for a while, were one of three baseball teams in America. And I think, you know, as it turned out, I don't, I, I honestly, I didn't keep track. I'm guessing fewer than 10 teams in America um, in, in, in baseball had fans had the public at their games we were one of them and of course if you didn't know i joined the canary staff to help promote that all summer long and here they are in the championship series which we'll get to in a moment uh games tuesday wednesday and thursday right here at the birdcage where you as a fan can go um that's an interesting story all summer you went to the first game um and uh you weren't thrilled with social distancing either Measures by the team or the way that people of South Dakota who like to go out and, and do things were handling it. But what did you? What have you made of everything that's happened from how good the Canaries are to the experiment of having fans at their ballpark? I mean, it seems to work. Yeah. You know, we that nobody's been shut down. I think the first week was it Milwaukee had a positive test and like oh they had to deliver. It was like right off the bat. Yeah, like right off the bat they had to cancel a game and everyone's yeah. kind of like, well, here we go. Yeah. And. They missed the one game yeah. and managed to, you know, isolate or whatever. And yeah. the season went off without a hitch. Yeah. I mean, there have been yeah. no complaints. There have been no – I mean, I, we can't sit here and say that no one caught coronavirus at a Canaries game, but there haven't been any con- – from what Duel told me, none of the cases have been traced right. back to Canaries games. Duel Higby, our general manager. Yeah. And, uh, the, I, you know, I think the attendance has been – it looks like from what you've told me and from that – because they capped it at 1,500, I believe. I was the... told at the beginning it was 2,200. And oh, yeah, yeah, and I think that's right. I think that's that's right. half the stadium's capacity. Yeah. And, uh, you know, honestly, a lot of the crowds have been about 1,000. Uh, yep. Friday nights are the big, always the big nights, firework night, big promotions. You get 1,500 in there. The cool thing about that has been, and you were there on the first Friday night, there was a good crowd there, where you space out, fans are in every other row because of the measures, 
And so to, the more people you get in there, the more it is top to bottom, side to side kind of full. So mm -hmm. you've got a little energy and noise coming from every spot. And I'll tell you, it's been fun. There's been a good energy at the ballpark. And we've always had these discussions about, um, you know, we could we, we could do deep dives into why the Canaries had nine straight losing seasons or why fewer and pe fewer people are going to the ballparks, which fewer and, few, pe fewer and fewer people go to events, period. Uh, you know, whether they're in, in sports, the, the sport of baseball, all levels. It's just, it's more expensive. There's hassles, there's parking, there's tickets. People watch a lot of things on TV. In the Canaries case, you can live stream watch their games, but minor leagues, you can get people to go to games because it's right here in town and the tickets are very reasonably priced. Um, but we've done this discussion about, well, are, are people going less and less because before the pandemic because they're not winning enough? And, and you and I always say, no, no. it's usually... It, the worst attendance they ever had was in 2010 when they had their best team ever. Yeah. Now, that was partly because people you, were pissing and moaning about the Pheasants name change thing, but yes. still... Um, yeah, which was ridiculous. They, they, that was the best team they've ever had. Yeah, and they and they averaged twelve hundred <laughs> fans a game that year. Did you say the Fighting Cocks, Dave? Was there a team called the Fight? Oh, okay, because uh, because of the Pheasants thing. Yes. The first game that they played as the Pheasants, <laughs> I tried to see how many different nicknames I could use in my story. Because yeah. yeah. like with the Canaries, you pretty much have Canaries or Birds. Bird, that's it. Birds. Is, yeah. That first night they played as the Pheasants, I used Fighting Pheasants because yeah. that was technically the full name. Pheasants. Roosters, yeah, ringnecks, birds, yeah, and I tried to use cocks, and that was strict stricken from the record by, oh. by a copy editor. Oh. And then all you can do is try. The, all the, you can do is try to get the next cocks day. In I there. had an email from Stu like, pheasants and birds. That's it. Thanks a lot. Now he's taking all my fun away. <laughs> one night I got to use like six different nicknames for the one. Why team. is it? Why is it always a compulsion of writers? I was doing this yesterday. To do fun things? I don't know. To, Why to, would we to, try to entertain to, people? To have a, no, 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 not that. <laughs> not, no, that's funny. I get that. But like with, like you're writing a story about Miguel and Hill Jimenez winning the Sanford International. I found myself doing this because I did actually write one. And, uh, you know, you'd say like Jimenez, the, the Spaniard, the 56-year-old, the, whatever, the father of two, whatever. You just don't want to be repetitive. Yeah, the, yeah. the wife of a beautiful lady from Bavaria. I guess you don't want to be repetitive. Um but but here we are. The Canaries are good, and it's hard to measure. Like, I mean, they're, compare let's that not, with attendance. Let's, because let's not kid ourselves. They are helped by the fact that half the league isn't. Of tall. course, it's yes. a twelve. Is it a 10, 12 team league? I think well, it's a twelve team and, league. And the entire season, six teams. You get twice the talent on every team. Yep. And, because you have half. That's the, the one thing. Like, you could easily say, well, it was great. There's only six teams. Yeah, but all those six teams have access to they're a good. ton of players they never had. Yes. This championship series that's going on right now. There's nine big leaguers yeah. in in the series. There would be ten. The Canaries cut one of their big leaguers. <laughs> yeah. he, you know, he's yep. not going to be on the team anymore. Yeah. And uh, the guy that pitched last night for uh, Milwaukee was a National League All Star five years ago. He wasn't just in the big leagues. He made yeah. the All Star game with yeah. the Marlins. Yeah. So I mean, we're talking about some good baseball. Funny thing, he threw a yes. two hit shutout against yeah. the Canaries. So. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the the talent level you're seeing right now is very high. That's made for. I went to three games this summer, and you could. I don't want to say like you could tell the difference because I always have felt like the minor league baseball in this town doesn't get the credit it deserves. People think it's like amateur baseball. Like they don't get how good those guys are. They don't get how good you have to be just to play like low A ball. Those right. are really, really, yeah. really good baseball players. Yeah, and, and Zim plays amateur baseball. Everybody knows that. So he has a kind of an idea of what's going on here. And um, but, but anyway, they, 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 yeah, sure. They, they benefited from A, yes, being one of the 
three teams in the league that got to play home games. The St. Paul Saints, who usually rule the league, because if anybody's unfamiliar with this league, look, the, the, the managers have to recruit the players. It's, rec- it's college sports. It's There's recruiting. There's no draft, yeah. There's no draft. The managers have to call and recruit players to come here. So you have to what you advertise your city, you advertise your facilities. Those are the two main things you advertise. Well, it's easy in St. Paul and the Twin Cities, in a gigantic metropolis with the nicest, newest stadium. They have a good downtown scene going in St. Paul. They have a ballpark downtown where I think Sioux Falls should have one, and I know it never probably never will. But so that's easy to recruit to, and so they've had you know they've had the team to beat, and then this year they didn't get home games. They had to play a lot, their first half of home games here in Sioux Falls, and by the time they got their own home games, it was too late. And mm-hmm. and again, teams like the Birds, they they're not as deep usually as the Saints. And, and they didn't lose their best two or three players because those usually you lose your best two or three players because they go to higher level right. of minor league ball. Right. So anyway, the, the Birds do win a tightly contested, not win, but finished two, in the top two to reach this they series. They won the wild card is how I put it. Yeah. I don't know if they call it that, but that's yeah, what I've been finished, saying. Yeah, two or three games well, behind they, the they, champ. They ended their streak of losing seasons. Yeah. They hadn't just not made the playoffs for yeah. 10 years. They hadn't even had a winning yeah. season. Right. I'm happy for Mike Meyer because, you know, every manager the Canaries have had and I've known almost all of them, have been great dudes, and, and that yeah. goes for Mike Meyer, too. Yeah. But he especially, you know, he was here when Steve Shirley finally got it going right. and had been a part of it, knew it could be done. Yes. And then Mike wanted to be the manager when Steve got fired, but the team understandably was like, you know, it doesn't make a lot of sense to yeah. promote the guy who was the assistant to the guy we just fired. You, know, yeah. you don't usually do it that way. So they were kind of like, we'd like to, but we kind of got to go in a different direction. Right. And then the guy they hired was a young guy who was in over his head. They realized their mistake immediately. He didn't even last two seasons. And when they went back out for another manager, like, okay, now it's time to bring Mike Meyer in. And Mike came in, and you may remember, like he was pretty brazen about like, hey, this yeah. buck stops here. We're going to yeah. bring the winning here because I know what I'm doing. And yeah. I think he got a little bit of it like, wow, this is maybe a little harder than I thought. Well, and it's not Mike's fault, as we talked about. When the Canaries first came to Sioux Falls, yeah. the other cities in their league were Madison, Wisconsin, Rochester, yeah. Minnesota, all these Duluth had a team, you know, all these small communities. Now it's Kansas City, Chicago, Milwaukee, yeah. St. Paul. Yes. You know, they're in major league right. cities now. Yes. And that puts them at a huge disadvantage Be- before you even talk about These are guys in their 20s and they're mostly single. Right. Before well, what even, else can we say? Before you even talk about the, the actual facilities themselves. Yeah. And the birdcage for a while was like, hey, this is a nice little stadium. But now that all yeah. these Chicago and Milwaukee have brand new, yep. amazing stadiums, mm-hmm. St. Paul's Stadium's amazing. Yeah. It just doesn't add up. So he's at a huge disadvantage. And yes. so I don't think he was on the hot seat necessarily because it's like, what the guy's doing the best he can best with what he's got. But I just know how personal it was to him. He wanted to be the manager to end the losing streak. Right. He wanted to be the guy to say, I fixed it. I got it yeah. Got it done. Brought it back. And yeah, it's an abbreviated season. And yeah, they just won the wild card. And yeah, it looks like they're going to get beat in this series. They're already yeah. down 0-2. Yeah. Uh, but I'm just really happy for him that he's able to say, I brought a winning team back to St. Paul's and got us into the playoffs. And technically, because it is a championship series team, they're down 2-0. They've got these home games Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. 7.05 every night. Uh, Randy Preston, the PA announcer out at the birdcage, is watching and says, uh, let's go pack the birdcage. And then he said, uh, oh, go he birds. was mentioning Buck versus Brockmeyer. Joe Buck versus <laughs> Joe Buck was, uh, by the way, Joe Buck, did you see this, Dave? Joe Buck was on. Joe Buck and Bob Costas and um, that that might have been it for high end, but we're, we're a couple guys who made cameos in Brockmeyer. Very funny, by the way, as themselves, and they were hilarious. Um I'm excited to, to, to be out there because I think the weather is going to be good. And uh, look, 
it's it's hard to determine. They finally had a winning team that continued its momentum throughout the end of a season and have made a championship series, and yet we're in a pandemic. So it's just it's impossible to go off of attendance numbers and say, well, see, when they win, people come. You mentioned 10 years ago uh, the wild card of the of the different name. Which I'm very curious to away. see what the crowds are like the next three nights. Yeah. Because these but, are games that matter, that mean yeah. something. You know? And regardless, I think the energy is going to be great. It's tough because... It's not a season ticket holder thing. I mean, everybody. The people is, who do come will be people who care. It yes, you know, because they're making an effort. And we always wonder who cares about the baseball because are people going out there just because it's fresh air? That's that's frankly uh -huh. before I joined the team, you know, joined the staff, not on a team. Why I liked going to baseball games. I didn't care how good or bad the team was. I like being out there. It's good therapy. It's you get older. We've talked about this. You get. I mean, you've always you've always been a baseball guy. Like my kids are 13, 15, 21 years old. Um, they're. They're not into baseball, it's too slow and boring for them, and it probably was for me at that age. But you get to be a little older, where you have jobs, you have mortgages to pay, or rent to pay, then you have kids, and then you have no time, and you have no life, and you actually want to go out to a thing or watch something that's a little bit slower and relaxed. And if you appreciate the game and enjoy the nuances, great, but it's just a nice little thing to go to as you get older. Are you trying to get me to... Uh my theory on old people liking baseball, are you trying to get me to go on that rant? I don't think that's your own original <laughs> personal theory. I, well, no, I'm more, not trying to get my, on a like, rant at like, all. Like the whole, it's uh, true. Well, that, yeah. Like, I mean, I, I'm experiencing it now. Right. I all of a sudden like baseball. It, it angers me. This is part of the whole rant is that yeah. the people who run Major League Baseball to a great degree, but you hear it in other avenues of baseball too, constantly trying to, we need to appeal to young people. And you know, you don't. No, you don't. You're not going <laughs> to grow baseball by appealing to 17-year-olds. Like, the only 17-year-olds who care about baseball are 17-year-olds who yeah. play baseball. Right. And, like, play it seriously. Yes. Otherwise, you wait for people to get old, yeah. and then that's when they like baseball. Yeah. yeah. Like, all this, like, oh, the only, like, you can go back to the 1950s and find articles in newspapers about, oh, my God, baseball's dying because only old people like it. That's, yeah, that's how it's always been. Yeah. When I was in high school... If I wanted to talk about baseball with my friends, I had to talk with the teammates on my baseball team. But then, yeah. what do you know? I'm in my 30s, 40s all of a sudden. Now all my friends who hated baseball when we were teenagers yeah. are talking about the twins on yeah. Facebook. Well, yeah. guess what? They got old. Yeah. So now they like baseball. Exactly. That's how it will always Beautiful. be. So yep. it really bothers me that, you know, the new commissioner, who's terrible, um, like he's got this hard on for you know making baseball more appealing to young people, which again, it's not like he's the first guy to have that thought, but he's really pushing it with you know changing the rules yeah. and adjusting the game and everything. Like, right. just stop. There's nothing wrong right. with the game. Leave it alone the way it is. No one cares that the games are three and a half hours. Because guess what? Yeah. A lot of people don't watch the whole game from beginning from you know yeah. first pitch to the last pitch anyway. Yeah. Yes, people fall asleep in front of the TV watching those West Absol Coast games. Absolutely, it's great. That's fine. I there's watch nothing golf. wrong with that. I do the same thing for golf. Yeah. Sunday afternoons watching golf. There's are great something. For me. I'm there's something actually really wonderful about falling asleep on your couch watching the yes. Dodgers at 1230 yeah. in the morning. Vince like, Scully's yeah. been giving America lullabies for yes. 60 years. There's nothing wrong yeah. with that. Um, by the way, Randy does mention that, uh, yeah, Mike Veck, uh, who's the, who runs the St. Paul Saints, owns it, and uh, with Bill Murray, by the way, and who, of course, is, uh, his lineage is... Well, there's a Bill Vec. 65% of people are not there because of the baseball. 65% of people. Yeah, I, I'd agree I'm with that. I'm skeptical of everything Mike Vec says, but there's still something There's something to be said for that. The Saints are, of course, we with the Canaries acknowledge, they're the masters of making that a show, entertainment. The Canaries have tried to do a little bit more of that this summer. and uh, But once you get to the championship series, actually it is 
it's pretty much all about the baseball now. And that's what's exciting. The birds were good. And I, I did notice a different energy in the ballpark uh, this summer because the team was good. You score some early runs. By the way, that's a great place to go watch a game because it's a band box. You're going to see a lot. If you think baseball is boring and you're waiting for something to happen, you know, and I, seriously, I wouldn't say this just because I'm on the payroll. Uh, that, no. that's, that's a place to go watch it. People who you ask players, managers, reporters, whoever, anyone who's been around the, the American Association yeah. Professional Baseball, they'll tell you when you're talking about the birdcage, not the most, you know, scenic place, not a lot of bells and whistles, yes. but good, good baseball. It's a facility. classic old ballpark. The playing surface is really nice. Yeah. The way the seats are arranged, it's it's got good sight lines. Yeah. It is a bandbox, so you're, you're probably gonna hit it, get it, get to see a home run or two every single night or that you go. Five. Right. Yeah. yeah. It it is from from just the baseball standpoint of it, it's a very good ballpark. And no lead. I mean, almost no lead is sacred at that. It's true. Uh, in fact, the Canaries proved that one game they were up. I think you were. They, one they blew they a ten up, run lead. It was, lead it was a night I wasn't there. They blew like a nine run lead and in then the came back and, and still won. And yeah. Still won the game. Uh, so tickets are at sfcanaries.com. For twenty dollars, you can get a ticket, a Canaries koozie, and a Canaries Gator mask that the uh, players and the managers wear. Oh, cool! Uh, online sfcanaries.com for that deal. Or if you just want a good old twelve dollar ticket. That's Next awesome. Monday, I will do the show with my oh. Canaries Gator. I, you that? know, I was, <laughs> I was wondering because you walked in here with your mask on and i'd say mad zimmer is well above average of the normal populace here in sioux falls when it comes to mask wearing uh and uh, you know not trepidation but apprehension about being uh around people in public during a pandemic especially the last the way the last couple of weeks have gone but, so i thought you were actually going to do this podcast with your mask on well i didn't, plus I didn't we're know. not six feet apart i'm sure we'll take a little right but you and i people. also both were screened yesterday we were at the sanford thing i'm true sure. Reasonably sure you don't have COVID. Um, reasonably sure that I don't. Yeah. Um, who knows? Are you just going to keep it on the rest of the show? <laughs> no. And, just, and Dave is. A, I brought uh, it in case. Like I didn't know if we we're going to be like bellied up to the bar next to people I don't even know. Because like I wore, I brought my mask to to the, yeah. the, the golf tournament. I was there all three yeah. days. First day there was nobody there because yeah. the weather was terrible. Right. Next two days was as the weather got better, the crowds were bigger, yeah. and I kind of just did what I was doing tonight. I've been kind of keeping it around my my neck. Yeah. Um, but then, like, if you got to a tee box where, yeah. like, John Daly was teeing off and everyone's there, well, next thing you know, there's, like, like strangers all around me. I'm like, well, screw you, Bass. You know, I'm like, I don't, yeah. I don't want these strangers, like, breathing on me. Plus, you should have seen the car. You should have seen the tents. hot tense. and sweaty and, you know. The tents. I mean, <laughs> I, you know, I, I, there, there's one reason why I like to go to tents. I like to talk, run into people I know and talk to people and maybe have a beverage or two. But, wow, the tents. If you were in the tents... Good luck. I mean, I hope every I, I hope everything turns out okay for everybody's health. Well, like I said, I'm I'm curious to see if there's yeah a little uptick in numbers from uh, the Sanford International. I, uh, I don't know. Last one from the Canaries. I want I want to slip this in here because again, I'm biased on this particular topic, but it was a first in South Dakota, and uh, I appreciate you for covering it. I appreciate uh, our two television stations in town, which did really uh, very. Uh, thoughtful features on it. First South Dakota sports team at any level to have a Pride Night. To uh, and naturally, uh, I thought social media-wise, which is not always an accurate gauge of the entire population, but there is far more positive response and likes and yeah. loves. Uh, there were, of course, morons uh, who are bigots or just really ignorant who you know said, "Why don't we have a straight night? Why don't we have a pro-life night? Mm. Why, why do I have to toot? You know, why do I have a heterosexual marriage night?" 
There was nothing political about this thing. I'm glad you're laughing. Go ahead, have one. Like See that. how that goes. Yeah. Have, have a straight pride like night. That, that would be every night of your life is heterosexual marriage night. For those of you, anyway. Um, what, so what did you, um, I don't think you were at that game. I didn't go. But no. it was, I mean, I'll be honest, it was your typical Friday night crowd, which is a bigger crowd than most. It was a great energy. And, uh, and, and you know, we touched upon the pride part of it a couple times. We had a speaker who's a 24-year-old trans girl to explain her story and why these kinds of events matter. Uh, I thought the players did a hell of a job in our promotional videos, um, kind of conveying the message. Uh, it would matter to, to someone like me when I was 13, 15, 17 years old in the 90s and in the closet to have professional athletes of, of where, whatever, wherever you're say, living. You're rambling a little bit, so I'll, I'll narrow it down for you here. Well, and I was setting up a question, and then I gave my opinion, which <laughs> okay. I tend to do. I'm a sports okay. talk host. The thing um, that struck me was uh, Mike Meyer and the players getting behind it. Yeah. Like, a lot. we've seen lots of teams ha at a national level, you know, have, have some sort of pride night or whatever, but rarely do, does anyone from the, 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 the actual team personnel, the roster, yeah. get involved. You know, it's usually a front office thing, and... They try to do it as quietly as they can. Sometimes yeah. it seems like, like, hey, we're doing this, but also like, we hope you don't pay too much attention to it. And tomorrow we're gonna not talk about it ever again. For the manager of the team to come out and you know, give a statement saying like, like this is important to us. We want you to feel welcome here. We want you guys as fans. Yeah. And for some, you know, and Duel told me like, I asked him what was the reaction of the team, and he said it wasn't unanimous. You know, but he was like it was close to unanimous. You know, and you know. For, for several of the players to be willing to come out and hold that flag or, or give yeah. a little video yep. testimonial or whatever, I thought that was a big deal. Yeah. And I think that probably goes a lot farther than the front office doing something or some sort of yeah. press release. To have the people wearing the uniforms who play yeah. the games come out and say, like, this is yes. something we're getting behind, I thought right. that was a big deal. As a gay man myself, I was like, I was just being a part of that. And, and it, it, you know, at Mike would, you know, I, I, I was behind... A lot of the, the video part of it. It was not my idea to have a Pride Night. The Canaries had that all decided and ready really? to go. Really? I assumed it was. Why? Because I'm gay? Yes. <laughs> well, And you work for the team. It made sense. Yeah, yeah. No. And that's... Uh, I didn't, and I I didn't, not throwing shade. I and just I didn't, assumed, Well, yeah. no. And I didn't need them to have a Pride Night for me to be on board with joining the team. I needed a job. <laughs> uh, and I'm thrilled to have one. Uh, but it was, uh, it's really cool that, you know, the ownership and the management were all behind it. But then, you know, I'm, 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 in, I'm partly in charge of kind of the promotion of games, not every promotional night, but the promotion of the promotions. And um, so that's what I was hoping would happen. And honestly, I wasn't nervous that, that there would be nobody on the team that would be willing to do this. But I thought this is the best idea from my point of view. That's what ha that's what would resonate the most. And, you know, you're trying to get people to games. You're trying to get that community to games. It's their night. And, uh, and what, what struck me the most was, A, Mike Meyer saying this is, I mean, he said several times to me off camera, this is important. Thank, I'm glad to do this. Uh, the players who, you know, most of the team was, was behind the pride flag in the video. Uh, and then the ones that spoke were great about it. Uh, one of them, Kevin Fullman, is a teacher. I mean, you go to teacher's college, you get into that world. There's, you know, obviously there's no, there's no room for intolerance and there's every, you, you have to teach and have inclusion. Um, but the players doing it, I'll just say this. Um, one of the board members of Sioux Falls Pride, who's a, who's a parent herself, who grew up in Sioux Falls, Jehovah's Witness family, um, and basically is is separated from her family. Just her family never took her in, continued to shun her. She's you know 25, 30 years old now, has a kid, um, 
she, you know, she said the, the videos made her emotional, but what, and what meant the most was the players were saying to her son uh, and to her and to the community, "Come on, come this on is down." A safe place for you. Yeah, and um, and they, 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 you know, they want and they need more of that. So, thank you for that. How are we doing on time, Dave? Are we doing? We're about an hour eight. An hour eight. Okay. Oh boy. Well, we went for Let's an wrap hour. Wrap this shit up. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> uh, oh, the Twins game has started. We're scoreless. Uh, is there anything else you want to say about the golf? Since that's what you did cover the last three days, it was on our little docket of things to talk about. There was a, we talked about the biggest aspect, which was of course first golf tournament on the planet right. to have fans, and a lot of them yesterday, and a lot of them packed in. With, uh, but you're not necessarily a golf person um no I'm not. at all you don't even like watch the majors most of the years not usually but you know um, it's fu funny you bring that up because you covered it i was standing i mean i this is the first time i i'd say got to or had to depending on my mood um but cover all three days you know not just kind of go out there for whatever and then covering the final round on sunday like actually following the leaders and yeah. being there when they tapped in like i did kind of think to myself like maybe i'll watch the u.s open next week you know because I feel like I have a little bit more of an appreciation for it. Um, but the big thing to me was just, you know, the field has definitely improved significantly. And anytime you're talking about an individual sport, whether it's golf or tennis or auto racing, you have to have the names because, you know, you're asking people to, to watch individuals. Like with team sports, it's like you're, you live in Chicago. The Cubs are your team. Yeah. They represent you, your community. Mm -hmm. Well, individuals, and that's why I've never, that's a big reason I never get into golf or tennis or auto racing. I'm like, who am I supposed to root for? Like, who's this asshole? People why do I care about him? Well, like, why am I rooting for this guy or that? Yeah, but I mean, like, like people who have, like, this is my guy. Like, why? <laughs> like, why do you, like, tie, marry yourself to this random stranger who you're never going to meet? Yeah. He doesn't care about you. Right. Like, why, that's true. Why are you this, I can't you know, love you Dale Earnhardt fan or, or you know, Pete Sampras or whoever? <laughs> I just never understood that. And uh, so if you're going to, if, if you... You can either have that where people are like this is my guy and I'm gonna follow him to wherever. Um, if you don't have that, then you just gotta have names, you know, that people are like I know who that is. I will watch that guy play. Mm -hmm. And this year, you know, I mean, there were already some names: John Daly, VJ Singh. Yep. Those are big names. Yes. Uh, but you throw in like Ernie Els to me was a big deal. Like I've watched Ernie Els play golf. I don't want to watch a lot of golf, but are I've you seen much him of play. a golf fan, Dave? Used to be. Used to be. Yeah, Fred Couples was huge. I was gonna okay. say Fred Couples well, was the other one that was kind of like, hey, I I know who that is, you know. <laughs> I I I now. I work at a golf course. My manager's about 71 years old, and his wife was extremely excited to follow around Fred Couples. He's a handsome man. He had brought 60. in more of the female population. Yes. Uh, so after watching all this, are you? Do you now have a guy based off of personality or watching no. him play? No, and oh, I won't. Okay. That's just not how right. I, my sports fandom works. Okay. Um, who is who's besides but, but Miguel? I mean, who's interesting? Who's well, I was going to say like I find John Daly was an easy guy to root for. He al he already is in my opinion, yeah. just because he's got that personality. He's yes. a larger-than-life sort of guy who, you know, I was, I was telling you when we were on the fairway the other day that one of his country music albums he recorded, the title of the album is uh, I Only Know One Way. <laughs> yes. That's a pretty good summation of, of his yes. lifestyle, and I yeah. can appreciate that. If he only has a year to live, he might just make it six months and make it a big party. <laughs> right. It's a grim thing to say, but... I mean, hopefully that's not the case. But, right, but of yeah, course. He's already a good story. Then you throw on top of it the fact that he just found out he had cancer. I wasn't necessarily rooting for anyone going in, but yeah. when he made that announcement and then had a good first round, mm. it was like, okay, now I'm rooting for what this What a story guy. it would have been. 
I think it was still a great story. He was eight yeah. under. Yeah. You know, he was he was in the in the yeah. top ten. Yep. You know, that was a huge story, I thought. You know, and he, and you saw it. He got or no, you probably didn't. You were following the leaders, but when he uh put it out on eighteen. I was there. Huge actually. hand. Yeah. Okay, huge hand, huge yeah. hand from everyone. And understandably. Yeah. That was a great moment. Yeah. Uh Jimenez a similar sort of story. He's almost like the I don't know, call him the Spanish John Daly, but also a, a guy with an outsized personality. Right. Made him very easy to an, root for. An everyman sort of guy. Yep. Um, yeah. Outside of that, you know, I mean, you know, like I said, Ernie Els and Fred Couples are guys that I know and enjoyed watching. I don't know that I was necessarily rooting for them. Mm, um, I was just... They're okay. I mean... They're okay guys. Well, plus it's different when you're working. Like, I was really rooting against Steve Flesh. <laughs> The guy who, who made the big run at the end. Poor Steve Nothing Flesh. against Steve Flesh, but I was like, what the hell am I going to write about this guy? For golf nerds He's like nobody. me, we know yeah. actually Steve Flesh has been on the golf channel. He's a good commentator. But okay. anyway. But I was just like, like, I've never even heard of that guy. I know, I know like, what you're what, saying. What the hell am I yes. going to write if he yes. wins? Yeah. So I was definitely rooting against him. And so yeah. I was like, okay, I need, <laughs> I need either Jimenez to win yeah. or Stricker can win because yeah. he won it two years ago. So there's your story there. And, yeah. you know, Daly obviously would have been a good one. You know, that's that. Again, when, yeah. you know these individual sports you're, you're kind of looking for characters you're looking yes. for stories and the, the, the tough part about golf spectating is a it's hard to see the ball i mean you just you uh -huh. know no matter where you are it's not a good spot because mm -hmm. if you're standing behind the guy it's cool to be that close and watch him swing but you know you can see where the ball's going it's impressive you get an appreciation for how much better they hit it than the, us mortals but you know you, and if you're standing like at the green where the ball's landing that's great but you can't you know he's a speck you know 300 yards away it's also like you could be missing a lot of things if you're on the course, whether you're covering it or a fan. You're just you could be missing a lot of the action because you're you can only be in one spot right. at one time. And then there's a lot of idle time in between shots where maybe as an observer, a reporter, you could uh, make observations about how these guys handle themselves idle, in between shots. I don't know. Uh, the thing that both captured us because you and I were together was Jimenez had a 15 minute wait before the 12th hole where he's got a one-shot lead he just made a putt he should have made he could have had a two-stroke lead and it'd be as a as a golfer the one sport i can relate to that'd be miserable to go up on the tee box you have a few people hoarding around you like your zoo animals and you're just standing there and watching the guys in mm -hmm. front of you and waiting and thinking about the next shot he goes and sits down in a basically a makeshift outdoor bar and has with a his, cigar with, his, has a cigar wife. with yeah. his wife and a lot Which, of people by the way you deserve credit for being the only member of the media to, to pick up on that, that that was covering the tournament. Well, you but, were there too. But I missed it. That's my point. Like I was, I was there. I was talking to Skinny the whole time. Okay, like, it was all going You're on. I damn know. Skinny. Yeah, and uh, but it was funny because then the press conference afterwards, we're all trying to ask Miguel Jimenez yeah. these questions, and it's the usual like, how does it feel to win? You know, what was the key to your victory? Blah yeah. blah blah. And then which aren't bad questions. No, that's the kind of standard fare. But yeah. you had witnessed this thing. That the rest mm -hmm. of us missed, and when you asked that question, you could see him light up like, yeah. "Oh yeah," you know, and, and he yeah. kind of talked about that, and yeah. and I stole it from him. He made it the lead to my column, so you're welcome. I'm glad you were there for that. Yeah, um. and I brought it up just so you would tell that story and give me the credit, uh, <laughs> because we need credibility for this podcast. It's called Nobody's Listening Anyway, and uh, and Zim has a lot more followers than I do. So, Dave, we good? You okay? I want to thank Dave Holly uh, for helping us do this out of the kindness of his heart for the equipment, but also setting up the equipment. And he's his lovely uh, bride, Carrie, is over there with some of their friends, and he's missing out on a fun night out here at the Gateway to listen to us idiots um, talk about sports. So a big thanks to Dave Holly for getting helping us getting this thing launched. Is there anything else? We're out of time. I'm out of beer, by the way, so I think that's a good place to stop. Me too. All right. Uh, for Matt Zimmer. 
I'm John Gaskins. Thanks a lot to Jackson and the Gateway Lounge. This is going to be a lot of fun. We'll do this every Monday about 6 o'clock whenever we have our shit together. And uh, that's it. Good night. You've been listening to Nobody's Listening Anyway, but apparently some people were listening anyway. And we'll talk again next week. Why are you laughing? That was a terrible outro. Fuck you. Because <laughs> you know how round drinks? Uh, yes. Yeah.